Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 25 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch it. This week on Get Jumped, we're taking a bad trip with Cowboy Bebop. Oh yeah, it's going to be like uh, going down to Hot Springs in, um, in Florida. Wait, where is that? Arkansas. I definitely don't want to go to Arkansas, but is there a Hot Springs in Florida too? I guess anywhere that has hot springs would be named hot springs. Like, if there's Why? hot springs in the middle of a mountain, it would be called hot Why? springs mountain. Why is this a bad thing that you're talking about? Oh, well, I don't know. Let's just jump in. Hello, everybody, and... <laughs> We made it to our quarter century. We're at episode 25. And for this momentous occasion, um, Spencer decided that it would be a really cool idea to get super duper sick. I am so sick. <laughs> so, we, uh, any of our listeners will know that when we talk about Cowboy Bebop, we have a lot to say. So it might be a lot more me talking and Spencer making uh, pained noises in the background than usual. Um, yeah, well, that's don't pretty mind normal, don't actually. Mind the, don't mind the guy dying in the corner. Uh, so, um, not too much business to cover at the at the front, and obviously don't want to drag this out too long. Um, it is December. That is holiday season for many, many people. Um, I know Spencer and I are both Christmas goers. So we are looking forward to spending some time away from work and with our friends and family. Um, and we'll also, uh, we have been cooking up something special for the podcast. So, um, we'll talk a little bit more about that probably later. And then, um, you'll find out all about it next episode. Yeah. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump into previously on Cowboy Bebop. So, previously on Cowboy Bebop, we have our characters. Main character is Spike Spiegel. He's a tall, lanky, messy-haired guy who is super-duper skilled and dangerous. Um, he and the rest of the main characters are all space bounty hunters. They fly around trying to get bounties, usually unsuccessfully because of circumstances and not because of lack of skill. Um, there is also Jet, who is his longtime partner, He's a bigger dude with a robot arm and a sort of film noir police past. Faye is our uh, flighty and beautiful woman who's a little bit deeper than she comes off. She is secretly way older than we thought she was um, because she was cryogenically frozen, what, like a hundred years ago or so, um, and just woke up fairly recently to a large amount of debt, which has turned her into uh, sort of a nihilistic um and flighty uh the final human member of the ship is ed who despite the name is actually a young girl ed is also a hacker and is kind of a little stereotypically anime crazy goofy um in contrast to the rest of the ship which is fairly uh serious strong silent types ed's kind of zany and is often comic relief but also is a skilled hacker um, the final non-human member of the ship is Ayn. Ayn is a corgi, and obviously, therefore, the best character. Um, the show itself is pretty episodic, so there is a lot of history that we will not cover. 
and a lot of important things that we won't come up against today. So uh, for now, I think we're going to mostly jump in. We'll be covering episodes 17, 18, and 19 today. Um, and that's going to take us really close to the end. So uh, episode 17, that is called Mushroom Samba and is uh, one of the ones that I think about when I think about the show. It's, I mean, it it sort of captures, like, the the weirdness of the show mixed with, like, the badassery of the show. Yeah, um, and I think the... It's like a, a lot ahead. of cool storytelling. Yeah, I, I think what's... One of the things that's great about Cowboy Bebop is um, what it can do with the episodic format. Even though most of the episodes are self-contained, they are replete with um, history and deep character work. So... Um, while you could watch most of the episodes out of order and get a similar experience, um, there's also so much in each episode. But the other thing is that they pack in a lot of different genres. So we get film noir, we get slow emotional drama, we get exciting action, um, and then we get episodes like this one that are largely comedy. Mm-hmm. Um so and we've done we, one of those before with like the um the homage the, to like Alien and stuff. Yeah, which you would not think an homage to Alien would be a comedic episode, but you'd be wrong. Mm-hmm. So uh, we start off. We see our cast is floating around in space. They have run out of gas, so they are drifting, and they have run out of food, so they are starving. And yeah. This, I put a note in here that this is just like that game we played. So not this year, but last year's Gen Con, uh, Spencer and I went to go play test a game. This is the first thing we did, like the first official event we went to at Gen Con. And it was a, uh, I was going to say kind of rough shot or slapdash um, play test. It was actually pretty well done. They were like, nice little pieces where they had like taken the time to cut out pictures of the characters and stuff and put them on there and printed up some cards. Uh, it was definitely not board game quality, but uh, it was a, a good play test and it was a cowboy bebop game. And, and it was the most brutal game that has ever it, been created. I don't think there's a harder game except <clears throat> maybe people talk about dark souls. Like it's super hard, um, but this was so difficult And one of the things that you're working against in this game is so you have, you know, bounties pop up and you have to go travel between the planets and stuff to go get the bounties. And then you also have this sort of like resource timer where there's food that's running out. So you have to buy food with the money that you get from bounties or by doing odd jobs to get money for food. And it was just like we were always racing against the clock just to not starve to death. And... (laughs) It was really hard. We had to like adjust the rules for the second game to make it easier, and it was still almost impossible. Um, yeah. Although it was fun, and uh, it definitely left me feeling optimistic for the game's future. So I didn't actually... I meant to look this up before we recorded today, but um, I know that they were continuing with that, so I wonder if they ever came out with that game or if it's still in development. I don't know. I haven't looked it up. Yeah, I'll have to check on but, that. Um, um, we'll see if we can find the answer and maybe put it on social media. Meanwhile, the ship is involved in a hit-and-run, space hit-and-run, if you will. Um, and uh, they get knocked if off If you put course, an S in front of space hit-and-run, is that a shit-and-run? What? You, you get the well, S why you would shit and, and the hit-and-run, and so it's a shit-and-run. Sh- I mean, like, shit 
Are you trying to make a joke, or is this you like get it? just you, you having like a like a weird brain aneurysm? It's no, it's funny. You're you think this is hilarious? I'm so sick. <laughs> <laughs> so they get knocked off course. This is kind of a big deal because um, Jet had already mentioned that since they're out of gas, they can't self-propel, but they were already drifting on course to arrive at, I think, one of Jupiter's or Saturn's moons. Uh, but now they've been knocked off course. Um, I guess, luckily, in a certain sense, they do end up crash landing on kind of a deserty planet. And uh, they are now sort of stranded there. Um, they get to work on the ship, and they're trying to give out jobs to different people. The other thing is there was a sort of a final meal that was hidden away for a rainy day that at the start of the episode they were arguing over who ate it. Um, and every character, mm-hmm. of course, was denying it. Um, right after they crash land, Faye promptly gets sick, and then Jet notices that the uh, rainy day meal that he had been saving had expired like two years ago. So now they know who ate the food. It was Faye. It was, it was good. Faye. Good job, Spencer. I'm contributing. You're you are definitely really bringing a lot of value today. So, um, Ed and Ayn are tasked with trying to go find some food, and they make their way out to a watermelon stand out in the sand wastes, and the food is super expensive. Basically, I got the impression that it was kind of a supply and demand thing. They're out in a big desert. There's nobody around except this watermelon dude, so he's charging a lot of money. Um, And, of course, they're broke, so they can't pay any money. Um, Then we get... Uh, a woman who reminded me of Beyonce's character in Goldmember, the Austin Powers, the <laughs> third Austin Powers movie. She's like very um, like thin and kind of in like a 1970s. Um, it's not it's not 1970s era, but it's definitely hearkening back to that. Um, and she's got like a big fro and sunglasses. Um, and she comes up and buys a watermelon and then pays extra for it. And I thought when she did that that she was going to be like, oh, I'll buy them a watermelon too. But instead she's just – she's like, keep the change. And in exchange, you can let me know if you see this dude. And she flashes a picture of some guy that we'll see in a minute. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> so the woman gets in her car to drive away, but unbeknownst to her, Ed and Ayn stow away in her trunk. And uh, we see her arrive in the town. The police stop her to check for um, people bringing in uh, these illegal mushrooms. And it turns out that she is a bounty hunter who has come to this planet to find the dude in the picture because that's the guy that is like, selling all these illegal mushrooms or running this organization. And so they're like, okay, well we got to search your car anyway. And she's like, that's fine. There's nothing there. And they open up the trunk and there's these stowaways. And so Ed and I promptly run away while the police are arguing with this woman who I don't think the woman gets a name. Mm, Um, the other, yeah, the other, the, the salesman, we're going to learn his name in a bit. And I think we learn the name of the other dude we'll meet. 
But the woman, she's just uh, she's just there. She doesn't have a name. She doesn't have time for a name. Um, the uh, <laughs> so the something else I noticed in this scene is that the policemen call her a cowboy when they find out that she is a bounty hunter. They specifically use that word um, as sort of a slang term for bounty hunter, which I didn't remember them doing that. And I don't remember characters referring to the word cowboy before now. Um, Well, I mean, you know, the name of the show is Cowboy Bebop. So, I mean, like... I know, but, uh, you know, it's very clearly a Western set in space. But um, aside from that and from the explicit uh cowboy western garb of the people on the uh big shot show that tells bounty hunters where to find their bounties um it's not you know it's i always thought it was a little bit more metaphorical but it sounds like cowboy is actually a slang term for bounty hunter in this universe which i did not remember i feel like i feel like spike's been called a cowboy at one point you might be right i might have missed it first episode uh, that is very possible. It, it feels like if anybody's going to be called a cowboy to their face, it's going to be Spike. Um, and yeah. I, I almost feel like I can remember somebody saying cowboy because you know how sometimes you're watching the Japanese anime and somebody says an English word with a Japanese accent. Yeah, I feel like I can remember they, somebody saying cowboy that way to him. A roo to the end of it. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? They're like cowboy aru. <laughs> it's just I'm a little walk in the line there. We're going to lose some listeners. We're going to lose one of our several listeners. I can almost count them on one hand. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess to be fair, we have many more people listening than than like five people. But, you know, we're going to lose several of them. Thanks, Spencer. Yeah, it was me. It was me all along. <laughs> you son of a bitch. So yeah. uh so Ed and Ayn, they run they have gone into town. They run into this man from the picture. His name's Domino. And this other guy that we saw really briefly earlier on in sort of a cutaway introduction. Um I don't remember if we get his name and I'm not seeing a jump out of me in my notes, but uh he is another dude who has a sort of nineteen actually they all kind of have nineteen seventies or maybe early eighties style. Um, and they also have, um, this guy that's come up to challenge Domino is dragging a coffin. And this is such a funny moment because he like shows up and he's got this big wooden coffin that he's dragging across the ground. And Domino's like, why do you have a coffin? And the guy's like, I brought this coffin with me for one purpose and it's to put your dead body in. And then a truck just drives by and runs the coffin to pieces. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my yeah. god, Spencer. <laughs> You're such a mess. It's hilarious. <laughs> so <laughs> uh so the other thing I wanted to talk about with these characters is that you don't often see black people in anime, and when you do, they tend to be unfortunate caricatures. That has yeah. changed in the modern era a little bit more. Um and sort of talking out of my ass, but I think it's fairly reasonable to chalk that up to a little bit more of a the globalization that our entire human society has been going through 
um, particularly in the last decade with the internet. Um, we're a lot closer to each other. We're a lot more aware of other cultures and other people. Um, so you're starting to see a little bit more diverse seeming characters, but in general characters in anime either look like stylized Asian people or stylized Anglican people. And you don't really get a lot of, uh, a lot of like other racial traits that come through. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting to see that this, this episode was involving, uh, basically an entire side cast of black characters. Like this, this episode story is about that. Um, and I also, I'm kind of curious about the implications of the the plot line and them dressing sort of in that 1970s style. And there was sort of some like funk overtones to the musicality in this episode. So I wonder if they're yeah. referencing a specific movie or story um, or if they're trying to call back, call out to like black exploitation films or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't pick up any any overt overtones that made me feel like, Oh, this is one way or the other, but uh, it definitely stood out to me because it's not something you see in anime a lot. Um, Uh I'm kind of curious if you guys uh, out there listening in the world know of other uh, well-represented black characters in anime or um, other races that we actually find on earth. So no like dog people or no Mr. Popos, but uh, yeah, very unfortunate. But uh, if you know of other um, other characters that don't look like they are just Asian or white people, um, I'd be interested to hear about it. Tweet us pictures of them or uh, give us their character names and the shows that they're from. Um, and uh, it'd be kind of an interesting list to see uh, what anime diversity can bring. So that diversion out of the way, we are back into the story Um, The dude who previously was dragging a coffin around chases Domino away. And when Domino runs away, some mushrooms fall on the ground. And Ed is curious about these mushrooms because they are starving and they're explicitly looking for food. Ein, the corgi, eats a mushroom before Ed has a chance to inspect it. And then he does this like hopping hiccup. And it's so cute because he's just like hiccuping really fast and and a high high pitched dog sound and he's just kind of hopping he looks like a toy dog it's so cute this is also one of the ones you see in a gif a lot i think spencer you've posted it at least once for the meme of the day it's so cute you guys i think so anyways um back at the bebop ed is doing an experiment um she left the mushrooms out and um, everybody is like, oh, well, mushrooms, so let's eat them without asking any questions. Yeah, and they and all they take the tripping. mushrooms in, like, really subtle character ways. Like, they take the mushrooms in different ways. Like, Spike tries to hide it, whereas Faye is, like, really sly about it, and Jet's just sort of like, oh, should I do this or should I not? It's cute. It's a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that your exact wording on this is they start tripping Major Ballsack. Yeah, which is a movie reference, and if you know what movie I'm referencing, tweet at us and tell us what movie it is. Anyways. <laughs> um, so, uh, Ed and I uh, have become the bounty hunters in this episode. Um, they uh, go down to find Domino and to catch him, and they find his ship, and it ends up being the ship that was involved in their hit-and-run from earlier. Which, you don't usually get the chance to confront your hit-and-runner. 
mm-hmm. they get into a chase, um, chasing Domino all the way over to a train. And then they're all climbing aboard the train and the other characters that were chasing Domino show up. And uh, also the watermelon salesman arrives at one point, which I thought was a nice touch. And somebody like steals his truck. Um, And then uh, basically they have this pretty sweet chase scene where there's a little back and forth and the the various characters are trying to get Domino. And then... Mm -hmm. Through a series of mishaps, Ed and Ayn managed to successfully catch Domino. And the dude is like, hey, instead of uh, taking me in for the bounty, why don't you take this bag of mushroom drugs? Because they're worth so much money apiece, and that's more valuable than the bounty on my head. And Ed is like, that sounds great. I'll take the drugs. (laughs) So, like, obviously she's innocent in this and she's not taking them for the drugs. She's taking them because there's a certain soundness to the logic of his argument. And she is a simple soul and is simply seeking food or money to buy food. So she takes this bag of drug mushrooms back to the bebop and everybody uh, back at the ship is basically coming out of their... Uh, drug-induced stupor and um, they're looking at the mushrooms and Ed's like well this is what we can sell them for and they're kind of considering it and then the police arrive and they're like hey we're looking for these bad mushrooms that people have been selling are you involved and then they like Faye and Jet are trying to keep Ed from spilling the beans And Ed is innocent and naive, so she keeps trying to tell the police officer, and they're having to clamp their hands over Ed's mouth. And then Spike just walks out with the bag in his hands, and the jig is up. So the the policeman grabs the bag, and he has some sort of scanner device thing. Um, So he scans the... uh, he scans the mushroom and I guess the scanner will tell him if the mushroom is in fact drugs. And it turns out it's not drugs. It is just a regular old shiitake mushroom. And he's like, Oh, you guys just like mushrooms. And he leaves. And then we get a little shot of them in space a little while later on. And they're having a feast of just mushrooms and everybody is sick of mushrooms, which is a pretty great uh, callback to when everybody was, uh, complaining about not having anything to eat and that they could eat anything. And then uh, most episodes cut to black with a phrase in the corner, and that phrase is usually see you, Space Cowboy. But this time it's life is but a dream, which I thought was nice. And that's yeah. episode 17, y'all. Yeah. And then we're on to episode 18, Speak Like oh, a Child. Oh, man. This episode. Mm-hmm. This is also... Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah, this is also one of the more memorable episodes. When I think about the show, I th- I remember scenes. Uh, and I got to say, I got to the end of this episode and I wept openly, like literally brought to tears for several minutes and had to like stop watching Cowboy Bebop for a while and turned on a different show because I needed to like decompress. Uh, mm-hmm. This one got me good. So uh, this episode is 
uh, it has this really cool opening shot right before the um, right before the episode title, which is "Speak Like a Child." Um, the opening shot is Faye betting on a horse race, and so you see shots of her kind of holding the the tickets that indicate her bets while the horses are racing, all set to music and intercut with scenes of a, a fish being pulled slowly out of the water and sort of struggling to get free. And um, just as it looks like face, just as it look like, looks like face horse is going to win, another horse pulls ahead and the fish breaks free of the rope. And then we get the opening credits and it, it's just a, it's a really beautiful sequence. Um, so the uh, bebop crew, um, they receive a cash on delivery, um, package that is addressed for Faye and she shows up. And as we mentioned earlier, she has accrued an insurmountable amount of debt and basically has turned to a life of crime to, uh, run away from her debtors. So she is afraid that she has been caught. And as soon as she finds out that there was somebody here that brought a package, she leaves. Yeah. So, then they they take the package and they uh, open it and realize it's a VCR tape. Um, they they don't really know what that is at this time. And to be fair, like at this time, most people don't know what that is. Yeah, VCR is what people used before DVD. And in fact, this will not end up being a VCR. This will end up being a beta tape, which is even more obscure. Yeah. Uh, and we'll touch on in a second. Um, and the sender is not just one sender. It's been sent all over the place. Yeah, like it was basically, it's like a, it's like a chain letter. Like when you get an email that has FW colon 18 times at the beginning. So, yeah. um, so the, uh, the crew goes to, a VCR enthusiast or whatever is what I have written down. Cause it's just a dude who's got like lots of VCR players around and he's like sitting in the back watching TV like videos on a VCR. Uh, they bring this to him and he, he's like, Oh, that this is a videotape. Um, and this is actually a beta. And he starts to go into the history of the beta versus VCR, but they cut him off. And I'm like, I was actually really interested in this. Um, it reminds me of it made me think about like Thomas Edison versus Nikola Tesla as well. Like one of those situations where two, two people in that instance or um, two companies in this instance came up with an idea for essentially the same thing at the same time with slightly different implementations. And then sort of the market picked one or the other. Um, that's basically what happened. Uh, pretty much everybody had VCRs and pretty much nobody had betas because um, even though beta was more compact for the same thing and was arguably higher resolution, um, it, it wasn't marketed to the general public as well. It sounds like it was a little bit more of an enthusiast's um, player. And so it uh, it ended up losing the uh, the war for the market, I guess to vcr and there's a lot more to it uh he this character sort of touches on it but it's a it's a really fascinating history if you guys are curious about it um anyway he puts in 
this beta play, beta tape and um, we see some footage that's like handheld home video footage. Um, it slowly, it cuts around from a few vistas and then we see a woman standing in front of, she's like at a cliff overlooking the ocean or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she looks really familiar. It's not very ambiguous that this is a young fae. And she starts to turn around, and as she does, right before her face is revealed, the screen sort of uh, bugs out. If you ever had a beta or VCR player, you'll know what happens. If you did not, it's... I can't think of a really good example. Maybe, like, when there's a storm and your TV starts messing up. It's kind of like that. And the screen freezes, and the guy's like, oh, the beta tape, we got to... It's we got to work with the tracking here so it'll start playing again and so that we'll get a clear picture. And Spike, who is uh, not great with machines, decides that the correct choice is to kick it, which is not the correct choice. And when he kicks the machine, he it, he basically like the dude, the enthusiast guy, is speechless that this is even happening. And the problem isn't fixed, so Spike just keeps kicking it harder and harder until the machine is completely destroyed. Yeah. Eh, anyways. Um, so they leave from there, um, and Ed, uh, she looks around and finds that there's actually one beta player left on Earth. Um, so they start to go there while Faye is at the gambling track. Yeah, and she calls them or something to see and she's a little pissed that they left the planet without her but other than that she she sort of left specifically and kind of busy doing her own thing um so we see shots of spike and jet making their way through this perilous building and it's really interesting you can see on the map they go to japan uh which they don't call japan in the show it's like old it's like old asia or old asia continent or I don't know. They, it's like they made some sort of portmanteau that involved the word Asia. So it sort of indicated that the the country of Japan had had some sort of governmental change that sounded like sort of a merger of several Asian countries. Um, I don't know much more about it. I don't know if the show expounds on that, but uh, they put a lot of little touches in there that, that hint at you know this long, rich history, and it's one of the things that makes the show really great. Um. So they arrive at this skyscraper, and the thing is, this city that they're in, it's not populated. This is, like, clearly an abandoned area. Um, You might recall that they, in this universe, they use um, these things called gates to get around, which are giant uh, mechanical structures in orbit around various planets, that allow for um, essentially teleportation between the planets. Mm-hmm. Um, and there Less was a... Light travel. Yeah, there was something called the gate crisis where um, one or some gates in orbit around the Earth exploded, um, destroyed all or most of the moon, raining um, devastating chunks of debris onto the planet. So there are not a lot of people living on earth and the people that do live on earth don't live in a society that resembles what we have today. Um, It looks like this former Japan city is mostly 
abandoned rubble. Um, So they're in this building that, you know, it's broken out and there are parts of it that are flooded and um, they, you know, at one point they're making their way down an elevator shaft, um, I guess, because they landed on the roof or whatever. Um, They make this, this long perilous journey. Uh, They finally get to this room where all the electronics are so that they can get the beta player that they wanted. And the enthusiast that they talked to earlier mentioned that beta was a little bit smaller than VHS. And that was one of the, one of the sort of visual distinctions between the two. They get there and Jet and Spike, neither of them are tech savvy, especially not with in this universe, um, old technology. Yeah. And they're maybe a little too simple for their own good sometimes. And they're looking at them and they're like, which one of these is the one that we need to carry, carry back. And they decide that bigger is better and grab the largest VHS player that they can, which obviously will not play betas. Yeah. Because that's not how this works. Yeah. So they make it back to the ship and discover their mistake, but uh, it's too late. They've already left the planet, and also the journey was perilous enough that they're not going to be able to go back. Faye calls the ship, and she's like, hey, uh, were there debt collectors around? And Ed makes it sound like there were by talking about how they met a man who became very irate with them and is now demanding repayment. But uh, as we know, she is just talking about the, the VCR enthusiast who um whose beta player they destroyed um yeah. feels very sitcom in that way in that moment yeah and I, like there's a laugh track that plays right afterwards and everybody's like oh ed yeah it's very it's a very sitcom joke and it's done really well it's understated so it's not you know it's not eye roll inducing or anything else but the other thing that's interesting about it is that they don't do anything with it and I would usually say that that's bad, but in, in this instance, I think they don't do anything with it as a part of character growth because Faye, as I have said like 8 million times on this episode already, she's running and she is flighty and she is trying to get away from her debt collectors. And she just ran earlier this episode to get away from what she thought was debt collectors and she just called to confirm whether or not she was right. And even though it's not true – from what she heard, she thinks it is. And she thinks that debt collectors have shown up. And despite all of that, she decides that she's going to go back to the bebop. And if I remember correctly, her motivation is, well, I think they're probably lonely without me, so I might as well go back. And this yeah, is actually but... a, a big character moment for her. Mm-hmm. Right before a bigger one. Yeah. So <sighs> this video... Let's talk about this video. Yeah, so they they get a, another package, and it's a beta player. So uh, they've solved this problem, and they're about to watch the video. And oh my god. Uh, so... so. <laughs> there's... Um, they cut to a couple of other scenes that we, that we didn't see before that are kind of similar. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of overlap... Uh, but sort of reestablishing again that this is home video. Um, and then we see Faye with four or five other girls, and they're all clearly friends. And they're kind of giggling and embarrassed. 
And then they, um, they introduce themselves and they're like, we thought it would be interesting to make a video, uh, as a message to ourselves 10 years in the future. Um, yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm having a hard time talking about it. Is it so emotional? Well, so they, these characters are all, um, the way that you kind of see it, it kind of reminds you of like almost like a church setting. It's, um, because I think that's, I think that's what it ends up being, right? It ends up being like a, like a home for girls. Uh, I did not pick up on that, but I was also crying pretty heavily during this part. Yeah. So, so I might have missed some details. Yeah. She's, she's left a message for herself thinking that she's going to see it in 10 years and she, she leaves it. And, um, at the end of it, Faye is just kind of staring blankly. She's like, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. And you and have, it, you have that moment where it's like, Faye has, is such a tragic character. And yeah. You, and of course it's been like 113 years or something like that. Yeah. She's, she's been brought to this world and she's had to like adjust to be inside of this world. But at the same time, she's also kind of like this broken person without any memories. Yeah. And that, that's another thing too, is that this, um, the Faye in the video, she's much younger. She's clearly a child. Um, cause our, our Faye just woke up out of sleep and she would probably be about 10 years away from this girl age wise. And Faye, I think she's er- late teens, early twenties. Um, I think they yeah. give an ex- an explicit number or so, but obviously it's not correct because she's actually hundreds of years old. Um, but this girl on the video, this young Faye, is nothing like the Faye that we know. Like visually, yeah. it's there, but other than that, she's she's bubbly and energetic. She's social. Um, she's nervous she kind of trips over her words and you know she's she's not like our Faye who is cold and selfish um explicitly detached i mean she's on more than one occasion run away from the bebop because she felt like they were getting too close to her um and the message that this girl on the video conveys is that she the things that got me so good about this message were she says she's she's talking she's like i'm you know making this message for you in 10 years 10 years from now that's so far away i can't even imagine what it would be like you know who who i'll be in 10 years and um i just i guess i hope that when you watch this video you have someone special with you and that you know you found you found someone to to share your life with that that matters and then um she says even though i'm gone i'll always be here cheering for you so let's go you know do your best you can do it and it's just it's it's this beautiful sentiment and it, it also highlights the tragedy so perfectly. And man, it just, it just overwhelmed me. Yeah. Um, it's one, it's wonderful. Um, and very emotional, uh, and check it out. 
But uh, yeah, we've got one more to go, and then Spencer can go die or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, the next episode is one of my favorite episodes. Um, I love a lot of Cowboy Bebop, but the ones I really love in Cowboy Bebop is when you take characters that are not the main character and you give them this like rich world to live in. Mm. And this character, this episode is called Wild Horses, um, and um, it's. It's all about these two characters. Um, the first one is named Duhan, and the other one is named Miles. Um, so Spike is crash landing on this desert planet in the Swordfish 2, um, while Faye and Jet are back on the Bebop, and they're waiting for these pirates that are in space. Um, Spike gets picked up by Miles in kind of like this, I don't know, it's just like this truck system? Yeah, um, it's it's basically and, a tow truck for spaceships. Yeah. And then he's brought back to the shop where you have Doohan, and then um, you start to you, you start to get a little bit of back and forth between these two, which is really cool because um, it's like you know he kind of treats Miles like a you know he's his assistant, but he treats him like this this little kid that looks up to him. And Miles has this um, obsession with space that we'll get into later. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, so um, back in space, we see the pirates arrive and they attack some ship. And um, Faye and uh, Jet try to catch them off guard, but they are instead caught off guard because the pirate ship has this method where it shoots out basically um, arrows or harpoons mm-hmm. attached yeah. to cables. And, and they hack your system on your ship. Yeah, so they both get harpooned, really cool. <laughs> and their ships start going haywire, and then the pirates take that opportunity to, to nope the fuck out. So it is, yeah, it's pretty sweet, actually. Um, and then, then we, we... Then we go back down to the planet. And this is, like, one of the things where I was talking about before. You have this great dichotomy between, like, Miles and Dohan. Um Dohan's this like master mechanic who works on ships, and um, he's also a crotchety and, old dude because he's yeah. the kind he's the kind of dude that's like he knows his shit. He's been doing it how he does it for a long time, and like you just need to do what he says, or you're probably not you know probably don't need to hang out with this guy. Yeah, and one of the things that Miles is trying to do is he's trying to change the ship, and Dohan's response is like, look. Are you going to control the ship? Or are you going to let the ship control you? And what he's getting at here is it's like a ship is kind of like a, you know, uh, it's, it's how like, I think a lot of older men talk about their cars, you yeah. know, like if they have really nice cars, they're like, look, it, it was, you know, it was as good as it was when it was originally built. And it's this weapon that Spike has learned how to use. So putting it back together the right way um, and not changing it so that he, you know, you don't always have to upgrade it is basically what he's getting at. Yeah, and the parts that Miles is suggesting are explicitly to help with, like, navigation and to to sort of take some of the control away from the driver to help them, you know, focus on other things or, or just to make the flight smoother and a little bit more, I don't know if luxurious is the right word because, you know, it's a fighter ship, but... Um, it's, you know, it's kind of like modern cars have a lot of extra features like lane assist or whatever, or they can park themselves. Um, 
So they're, they're not things that are necessarily needed, but they help to make the driving experience in that instance, a little bit safer. This would be a little bit smoother. Um, and it's really interesting. I don't know if the, the car example is great going forward because I'm actually pretty excited about self-driving cars. But um, I think that that quote, like, do you control the machine or do you want the machine to control you? You can look at that and sort of apply that to a lot of different things. You know, I think about cell phone usage. That's really a machine that controls a lot of people instead of being a tool. It's something that we've sort of become subservient to. Um, yeah. Or well, you look the, at the cool diff- non-machine the, things in your life and think about like, you know, am I am I making the choices and driving this forward or am I being dragged along behind it? You know, it's a really yeah. great thought that can apply to a lot. Yeah. Um, anyways, um, back on the Bebop, they're going to challenge the pirates and they're masquerading as like the shipping company. Um, you the pirates are, not the like Bebop. A, yeah, you said that there's like a rare CG shot. So, yeah, so. the ship. Uh, well, I don't. So I guess technically, I don't know how rare it is. The show has a very hand-drawn quality to it, and the ship that they have arrived at is very like sore thumb CG. Um, yeah. we've seen some CG effects. The one that stands out in my head is when people go into or out of gates, and the yeah. the lights coming into the gate as people sort of warp back into this reality that is clearly cg and not illustrated um there's probably some cg used in like the mist effect on mars when you get you know wide shots of the city but uh there's not a lot this is a very hand-drawn show or at least it it looks like one and this ship that they that it's like a big i don't know shipping hub or something like that that these pirates have arrived at it is like sore thumb CG. Uh-huh. And they they try to shoot at these ships to like see which one are the pirates. <laughs> this is not a good plan. They're like, yeah. how are we going to tell which of these two identical ships is the pirates? Well, if we fire upon them, whichever one runs is the one that's they're running because they're guilty. And like it turns out they're both guilty because one of them's the pirates and the other one didn't want to pay to park their ship. But mm-hmm. like... If you were being shot at, you, I think fleeing is a normal reaction, right? That's yeah. not. I'm not in the minority here. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they they're talking over the radio, and Miles is picking it up. Um, Spike uh, jumps right into the swordfish too and takes off. There's this great moment where they're like, "It's not ready yet," and Spike is like, "I have to go." It's really cool. <laughs> Oh he's my like god! This, he's like this cowboy moment. I just love it. Just it's the like sounds the, that you made. <laughs> oh god! Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> hey, people! You're not going to get sick through the radio. But <laughs> so Spike ends up uh, on the tail of the pirates. Um, they fire a lot of spears at him and he manages to dodge almost all of them, but they finally get him. And the good news is that they get speared back. Um, and I don't know if I missed a part or if there was like a deleted scene, but I don't remember them explicitly being like, Hey, we made our own spear and we can, you know, get them with their own medicine, but they definitely do. And Spike throws off the polarity of one of their 
things. Oh, okay. I super missed that. So they're actually gotten with their own virus. That's actually much cooler. <laughs> so um, the and instead bad, of catching them, they just kind of float into an asteroid field and die. right outside of the gravity <laughs> of this planet. Yeah. So. They're, like, both in danger of being sucked into the planet and burning up in the atmosphere. But then the pirates get hit by the asteroids and die. And this is just another bounty that they're not going to get. Yeah. Um, and as Spike is plummeting to Earth, uh, Dohan comes up behind him and, like, picks him up with his ship. He gets and... in, like, a like a, in this era, an old-timey spaceship. So, like the, like, a spaceship that you would see in, like, the United States space program. Like Apollo and, Eleven kind of shit. Yeah, and they're they're picking up um, Spike, and um, they, I don't know. There's just a great moment where like they're careening down, and then Spike gets saved by this old rickety ship. And you you also sort of like start to realize that like this this guy is old school. Yeah, and what he's getting at here is he's like you know it's he a was metaphor. Part yeah, he's probably part of like some sort of space program that was Well, it, it whether or not he was, although I didn't even think about that. That's a really interesting thought. But it serves as a metaphor because this guy, you know, his ideology that he was clashing with Miles earlier is, you know, just because it's newer it doesn't mean it's better. You know, if it's old and it works right, it works. And then he comes and saves Spike with this ship that they don't think will be able to take off. Also, the taking off space flight animation is beautiful. It's really cool. They're taking off in the ship, and then they're like shooting into the sky, and you get this like wide shot of like the you know you know like the smoke trail that you see with like planes or whatever shooting up into the sky or chemtrails if you're like crazy. And um, the they have these like extra rocket thrusters that they had stuck on the front of the ship to help it get lift, and you see those like breaking off to different sides and it's just this beautiful shot. It it was I, I like literally said wow out loud while I'm like watching this thing on my lunch at work. <laughs> so yeah, it's really cool. It was um, awesome. Well they catch Spike and they land on the ground and Dohan catches Spike as he like falls out of a ship and he's like I got you. <laughs> yeah, and then they and think the they think that they're going to burn up in the atmosphere because of some issue with the ship and then uh, Miles starts freaking out because he's come along, which is nice because it's like he's, you know, he's switched to understanding Duane's, uh philosophy, but uh, he starts freaking out and panicking and I'm pretty sure that whole exchange was literally just to shed, set up the joke at the final shot, which is just a snapshot of the three of them on the ground in front of the ship with Spike and Duhan looking harried and Miles just like posing for the camera and looking like yeah. the winner. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of that episode and uh, the end of our episode. Yeah. Um, Thank God. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm this, dying here. Yeah, so uh, a little bit of housekeeping before our outro. This is um, our last regular coverage episode of the year. And our second to last episode of the year. Um, so we're going to be coming back um next week with one last episode for the year yeah and as some people might uh be excited about it is an extra long episode 
Yeah. So we are going to relive our first year of existence. It's really half a year since we started in like June or July, but we're going to be reliving this, uh, this show that we've been putting on for 25 episodes now. So episode 26, that's going to be our end of the year special. Um, we'll have uh, recaps of the shows that we've watched as well as some other cool segments. So um, if you would like to much more quickly and much less granularly relive the episodes that we have watched up until where we are right now, um, we'll be doing that next week. If that doesn't interest you, you should still check it out because we're going to have some other cool features in there. Um, we'll be talking about some other stuff outside of the coverage that we've already had. And um, we'll be trying to end our year right. So yeah, we're pretty excited about it. And uh, I hope that you guys are too. Yeah. So without further ado, stick around and we'll do something after that. Yeah. And the last uh, last note, since we haven't put it in our recording, is uh, we're about to tell you all of our social medias. One of the social medias that's not in there yet is the subreddit. That is reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing work done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level four sound wizard. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to help us keep releasing episodes without the use of ads, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patrons get exclusive member content as well as unlocking group perks. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. New episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like the show, please like, subscribe, and review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. It's too horrible. We have to stop doing it. It's the worst thing. Anyways, let, we're we're doing an end of year special, you guys. Stick around. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs>